Listen, last week we started this series called The One, and, and we've been breaking down these, these parables uh, of the lost sheep and the, and the lost coin and, and, and the prodigal son, and Pastor John did a beautiful job breaking down the prodigal son, and I, I want to encourage you, if you weren't here last week and if you haven't listened to the podcast or the, lot, or the stream, you know, make sure you do that. Don't do it right now because now you have the availability to do so on your new app, but don't do it right now. Do it afterwards. And, and here's the thing. You know, I, I am so honored that, that and I, I'm so thankful that I have the opportunity to continue this series because I love talking about these parables. I, I love the message behind them, and I love the challenge that it, it, it's, it presents to us as the kingdom, as the body of Christ. And so I, if you can see, I'm like, ah, I'm, I'm so amped up for what God wants to do this morning. So what I want you to do is I want you to open up your your Bibles, or go to your Bible apps and go to Luke chapter 15, and we're going to start right in the very beginning. And as you're doing so, I'm going to pray, because I want to make sure that the Holy Spirit speaks uh, the truth with authority and conviction today, and that there's nothing in myself that is going to distract and take away from that and what, what God's Word has to say. And so if you're ready for that, let me hear a big amen. Amen. Awesome. You're with me. Thank you all for being here. Thank you for all that are watching on the live stream today. Uh, I have ADD, so if you see the, the camera going like back and forth and you're getting a little dizzy, I'm sorry. It's just, it's in me. God created me as I am. And so here's the thing. Before we pray, I want to, I want to ask this question. And I want us to chew on this question as we go uh, through the parables today. The question is this. What if? What if you could make a difference in somebody's life? What if someone's life could be different because of you? Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much again for who you are and that you provided an opportunity for us to come together and to worship you. God, I pray this morning as we get in your word, we open our hearts, we open our minds, we allow your Holy Spirit to speak to us. God, I pray that there's nothing inside of myself, nothing inside of us that will want to hold back from receiving your word. And we receive it openly and we receive it with grace. And God, we begin to be challenged and changed and transformed to live out your word, not just in these walls, but outside of this building, in our neighborhoods, in our community, that will change the culture of this world. We thank you, God, in your name. Amen. So, Luke chapter 15. Are you there? Awesome. So what's going to happen is, is Jesus, he's sitting down. It says in verses 1 to 2, it says, Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. And this made the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So what's happening is Jesus, he's having this conversation with sinners. The people that the religious leaders at the time, Pharisees, Sadducees, these religious people of the law, they would never associate themselves with. And it was so counterculture what Jesus was doing. Because the, the religious people, they only hung out with people like themselves, who talked like themselves, who dressed like themselves, who acted like themselves. And so when they see Jesus 
and they are hearing who Jesus is, and they find that Jesus is talking and hanging out and even breaking bread with these sinners, they start asking questions. And I kind of think of it like this. When I read those two, those two scriptures, I, I, I think I, this is where my brain goes. There's this house party going on. And at the house party, there's these two rival gangs. It's almost like West Side Story. Do-do, do-do-do, do-do-do-do. Got the sharks and the jets. I always wanted to be a shark. I was a little too dark to be a jet. Anyway. I don't know why that was so funny. And so here's the thing. You got... You got the sinners, and you got the religious leaders. The sinners, they're hanging out with Jesus. Jesus, he's busting it out. He's showing them all the new dance moves. He's even going a little old school, like lawnmower. Bam, all right, let's go. Come on, y'all. This is what we do. This is going to be hip in like 2,000 years, you know? Um, and then here comes the religious leaders, and they're strolling in. They're posse. They're strolling in, and, and here, here are the people. They know what God's word says. They know that they are the children of God. They know what it means to be saved. But yet the way that they carry themselves and the way that they treat others is that there is a separation between them and everyone else. So when they're strolling into this house party, looking all perfectly, you know, they're perfectly well-dressed, they're all perfectly well-behaved, even the husband, and, 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 and they just see that the tax collectors and the prostitutes and the drunks and all the sinners, man, they're eating our pizza with Jesus. It's so counterculture. They start looking at what's happening. Man, does Jesus know what he's doing? Does he know who he's talking to? Does he know her past? Does Jesus know what he does on the weekends? Oh, does Jesus know that they are so two-faced and they're the reason that that pastor left that church? Or that they're so two-faced and that they put on the smile in front of them, but in reality, they're, they're speaking bad behind their back? Does Jesus know what she's posting on Facebook? Jesus know. Yes, Jesus knows. That's why Jesus is sitting with them. And see, that's that's the that's the difference in the in the perspective and the mentality and the attitudes that the religious leaders have and who Jesus is. And listen, I want you to go along with me this morning as we get into these parables because it's very important for us to see the character of Jesus. Because if we can see the character of Jesus, we can see the character of God, and that's vital for us. It's important for us to know the character of God because it doesn't just impact our lives. It doesn't just impact our way of thinking and our attitudes and our perspective, but it impacts the lives around us every single day. And so Jesus, he sees the Pharisees. He sees them rolling in. He sees how they're judging the sinners. And so he uses these parables. Listen, I grew up you know, reading these parables 
And wow, wow I, you know, I always thought the parables was just to tell, uh, you know, for those that were lost, for those that weren't with God. But listen, those parables weren't, weren't so much for that. The parables were for the religious leaders. These three parables were for the religious leaders to see something about God and the stark contrast of what they were doing. And so it starts in Luke chapter 15 and verse 3. Jesus tells them this story. He says, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. This is the character of God. Jesus, Jesus has a heart for the one. Jesus has a heart for the one. To kind of give a little understanding uh, of this era, many, many small villages, what they would do is that they would bring their sheep together and make a one, one flock of sheep. And so the, the, the villagers, they would volunteer to shepherd the flock. And so if, if a sheep were to wander and get lost, the shepherd would go out and find the sheep and bring it back. And see, here's the thing. It's not just a matter of if the sheep would wander. Sheep were going to wander. Because sheep are literally the dumbest animal in the world. Animal. Animal? Animal. Animal. Really just shows the comparison of how God uses the example of sheep with us. Just, just saying. Here's the thing. Sheep are going to wander. And sheep are so dumb, literally, they will come to a cliff. And you would think, well, gee golly, I'm at a cliff. Maybe I shouldn't go any further. No, the sheep's going to be, bah, and jump. <laughs> but this just shows you how much dumb the, the sheep are. Because the rest of the 99 sheep are like, oh, well, it looks like Bob. He jumped off the cliff. Darn. No, they're going to be, bah, and they're going to follow. That's how dumb sheep are, and that's why they needed a shepherd to keep them safe, to keep them protective. And so Jesus, what he does is he uses this analogy with the Pharisees, and he, he, he challenges them to put themselves in the shoes of the shepherds. And that was hard for the, for the religious leaders, because if you weren't a religious leader, you were looked down upon by them. They look down upon the shepherds. So to actually imagine for a Pharisee, a religious leader, to put himself in a position of a shepherd, that was challenging for them. But at the same time, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, of course they would go after the sheep. Of course they would go after the one. But not because of the love of thy neighbor, but because they knew the sheep cost money. And they were all about money. And this just really shows you the character of God and, of, and, the, and the contrast between how God sees his people and how the religious people saw people. That's why Jesus, and, and this is what I love about Jesus. Jesus just has this way 
of like just drawing you in with what he's saying. And then just out of nowhere, just like this ninja slap, and there's the word of God, the truth that's being poked to you. It's like, oh. Get this. In verse 7, after he talks about how the sheep was brought back by the shepherd and his friends and his neighbors rejoice, here's what it says in verse 7. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over the 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. So get this. Here's God's, here's God's character. God is by nature a personal, loving being who goes to extreme lengths to seek and to save the lost. He has compassion for us. Because we are helpless, because we are defenseless, he knows the danger that exists in our world and exists in our culture. And that is why, even though that we still sin, even though that we still mess up, that God still will choose to submit his son to die on the cross so that we could be saved so that we could be protected and that we could have life with God the Father. God will always, always, always choose to go after us. He, Jesus will always choose to put his body on the cross and die so that we could live. It's because something innocent had to die so that something guilty could live. We are that guilty. We are the ones of sin. And yet, by his grace and by his love, we are set free. So this is the this is what Jesus is trying to show the religious leaders. The contrast and the difference in their view and their perspective and what God's perspective is. I love how in one translation, Jesus is basically calling out the Pharisees. He says, the righteous persons who do not need to repent. It's almost like Jesus is using some sarcasm. And listen, I just got to say this. Jesus, perfect, without sin. Use sarcasm. Sarcasm is definitely okay in my book then. <laughs> just saying. Jesus got angry too. It's okay. Getting a little false tangent. Listen, God is all about the one. He's, he's not so much concerned about the 99 because the 99 are together. But the one is just by themselves. The one is the, is the helpless and the hopeless and the lost. And that's why God will choose every time to go after the one. He will go until the very end. It says in John 10, verse 11, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. That's how far, that's how willing Jesus will go for you and I. And I believe we can look around this room and say, wow, this room is pretty filled, but there are still empty seats. There are still people that are in our community that are not right here 
in relationship and in fellowship with God the Father? How far are we willing to go to save them? How far are we willing to go to, to get them and bring them back or to bring them in this fellowship? Jesus will go to the very ends of the earth for you and I. Are we going to the ends of the earth for those that are still lost? If you ever struggle with feeling like, I, I don't feel adequate enough, how can I actually make a difference? How can I do all these things? Listen, Jesus, he changes the world one person at a time. We just gotta be willing to go. Jesus, he shifts shifts his focus from the parable of lost sheep to the parable of lost coin and it says in verse eight, or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it and when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, I may have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Once again, Jesus, he's asking this rhetorical question to the Pharisee leaders. Put yourselves in the shoes of the woman. What? Talk about being put in an uncomfortable setting. Because once again, remember, these religious leaders of the law, they viewed themselves higher than other people. And, and they viewed themselves higher than women. And so women at that time, in that era, when they were getting married, their father would give them some money. It wouldn't be a huge amount of money, but it'd be money enough to help them in a time of need. And a lot of the times, you know, the, the, the husbands would be working and, and laboring and they would pass away. And so all that the woman would have is what that money that was given to them. And you look at this passage and listen, 10 silver coins, that wasn't a whole lot of money. But if all you had in your life was 10 silver coins and if you lost one of them, that's one tenth of what you have. You want to be, well, at least I got nine more. No! We know how people are with money and with the things that we value. We, we stop everything we're doing. We're searching in the, in the sofa seats and we're searching in the car and we're searching in our clothes that might have went in the wash. We're searching everywhere until we find that money. Thank you, Jesus. I found it. Now I can order from Amazon Prime. Listen, the Pharisee leaders, even though it was difficult for them to put themselves in the shoes of the woman, they too would look for the money. Why? Because they love money. But Jesus, and he, once again, here's the ninja slap coming along. This is what he says. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. She called her friends. She called her neighbors. No! I found my money. I can get my hair did right now. Let's go. For y'all that don't know, her means hair. It's slang. Educating y'all this morning. Listen. This is God's character. His unconditional love for humanity. That he is willing and ready to go for those that are not found yet. And that's the difference between the religious leaders. Listen, this is where I feel like we struggle at times, church, because we read these scriptures and we tend to always look at the Pharisees and see these religious leaders back in the Bible and wow, man, that was terrible and how they were living and how they were treating Jesus. But get this, 
Many of us put ourselves in the positions to where we're judging the people that are coming into this church just like the religious leaders. The struggle is that when we are saved by God, we are immeasurably loved by Him, but we're no longer His top priority. And some of you can't let go of that. I just want what God can give me right now. I just, I just want God to fill me. I just want God to this. I, me. See, it's not about you. It's not about me. Because God's top priorities has always been the lost. So we need to move away from this. The problem is we are just too comfortable. We, we pursue convenience more than seeing God move in our lives. And you're feeling this, this tension in your life because we're asking next weekend for Easter, bring somebody to church. These, these doors are going to get wide open and anybody in our community can come into the church. Well, what's going to happen one week when I show up and somebody's in my parking lot? What if one week and you say, you know, this church is open for anybody and everybody, but there's no more coffee? Hold up. I'm going to get some of y'all right now. You're going to show up one week because, listen, in our culture and in our world, one of the only things that is still consistent is church because we know where we're going to sit and we know where we're going to park and we know we can get coffee and donuts. But what's going to happen when I show up one week and somebody's sitting in my seat? We settle for the convenience and for the comfortability over the compassion of God that was shown to us and needs to be shown to others. Come on. We are too afraid, church. We're too afraid. We know what God has done in our lives, and we know that there are people in our lives that God has placed around us that we are to share Jesus and we want to but when it comes to the moment we're too afraid fear has paralyzed us because we're too afraid what they're going to think we're too afraid to be rejected we're too afraid for them to say no I'm too afraid to talk to my boss because I'm afraid he's going to demote me because I shared my faith with him and so that fear that settles in our mind it moves to our heart and we become paralyzed and that person that we're supposed to share Jesus with share the love of Christ to share compassion with walks on by because we choose fear over faith one of the worst things that the Pharisee leaders did is because they didn't care enough church we are safe we are comfortable in the kingdom of God We've already been saved. We've already had the Holy Spirit fill us with his power. We've already had the gifts and talents given to us. We do the Christian duties, but when we hear the cries of the lost outside these walls and the people that need Jesus, we just cover our ears hoping the cries will dissipate and disappear or that somebody else will go and not me. And I'll just sit comfortably, safe in the kingdom of God. It's because we choose apathy over action. Jesus, what he's saying in these parables, what he's saying to these religious leaders,
saw these people like my father sees them. Instead of seeing their wickedness and their sin, you would share love with them. Instead of complaining and muttering that they took your seat and your coffee and your parking spot and if you chose to accept them and broke bread with them. If you chose not to see that a stain on them, but to see that there is an emptiness inside of them that can only be filled by the love of God. That is what we're called to do. That is who our purpose in life. We are not called to be a club that does nothing but a movement that brings light and hope in our world. God has given us the opportunities, but will you go? Will I go? Will you do it? Will you get over the fear? Will you get over the rejection? Will you get over yourself? and go. I asked this question in the very beginning. What if someone's life could be different because of you? See, listen, at one point we were all lost sheep. We were all the lost coin. We were all the prodigal son, but Jesus went after us. Jesus, as the shepherd, he will go out into the world. He will look for the lost sheep. He'll go through the woods. He'll go through the the thick branches. He will fight off the wolves that come and try to attack. He will do everything that he needs to try to look for this lost sheep. And this lost sheep, once it is found, Jesus will go to the sheep and he'll take the sheep. Come here, sheep. Come here, sheep. He'll carry the sheep back home. He's gonna celebrate that the sheep is coming. He's gonna do everything he can to take him back to where he belongs. He's gonna carry him. And when he gets back, he's gonna call his friends and his neighbors. Get up, celebrate, because the loss is found. The loss is back with the family. Here he is. Here he is. So church, what are you gonna do? Are you gonna celebrate next week? Are you gonna celebrate? I'm losing my voice, but I don't care because I want the lost to know God and to be here next week. Come on, let's lift up some praise to God. I am not as young as I used to be. But listen, it, we should be exasperated going out and looking for the lost. Because we can say, I've done everything, everything in my ability to make sure the lost and the blind and the helpless and the hopeless is in relationship with God the Father. And even though I'm breathing hard and I'm feeling exasperated, listen, the glory of God right now, it's worth it. It's worth it, church. It's worth it to choose compassion. It's worth it to choose faith. 
It's worth it to choose action because that's the character of God. And we no longer are asking the question, what if I could make a difference in somebody's life, but whose life will I make a difference in? Whose life are you going to make a difference in this week? Next week is Easter. We know, we know God is going to do something great. But not by what we plan or what we say or what we sing up here. But it's what God is going to do. And it's what God is going to do through each of us in this room. Who will go? Who will go after the one? Who will go? Church, I want to challenge you. I want you to pray a bold prayer before you leave today. I want you to begin to ask God. You don't have to speak it out loud, but I want you just right now, just begin to ask God, Holy Spirit, who is that one that I need to bring next week? Who is that one that I need to? It's not about inviting to church. It never says in the Bible you have to invite them to church, but it says everything about inviting them into the life of God. So who are you going to invite in the life of God? Who are you going to carry with you and celebrate next week when they join the family, when they find their home with Jesus Christ? Heavenly Father, I pray right now for every man, every woman, every young person in this room. And Holy Spirit, as you begin to speak to them right now, as you begin to place a name, a person, a face on our hearts. God, we do everything in our strength, everything in our ability to bring that lost, to bring the hopeless, to bring that one and return them to you. We believe in faith and we believe in the power and the authority of your Holy Spirit that we can do it because you are with us. We thank you, God. We pray all this in your great and mighty name and all God's people said, amen, amen.